Hello and welcome to another episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts and usually I'm here with my wife Sherea, but she's on maternity leave at the moment. Uh, We are looking at authentic Christianity for normal people. In other words, we are kind of delving into uh, the things of our faith without the kind of unnecessarily churchy words or uh, overly intellectual speak. We want to kind of be down to earth and, and just help us and you to learn more about Jesus along the way. Now, we've we started with a bit of a bang. We've we started looking at when leaders fall, and then we looked at the image of God, and we've talked about suffering and um, grief, uh, depression. And today we're talking about grief. Uh, we're joined by uh, one of my favorite people in the world. His name is Steve Jantz. He's the executive director at Miller College of the Bible's Sunny Bray campus. He was my mentor and also the director of the college while I was there. So Steve, welcome. It's so great to have you on the show once again. It is great to be here, David, and uh, to be able to talk and connect and always a pleasure to, uh, talk. I mean, I, I find whenever we connect, all of a sudden our conversation pretty much always goes vertical really quickly, talking about Jesus and the word. And so uh, just great to catch up and glad you're getting a bit of sleep these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Steve, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a hard, this is a hard episode to record with you. Um, we have the privilege of Steve joining us for more than one episode this season. He joined us last season. So you might recognize his big boomy voice because <laughs> it's not the first time he's been on this show. But today we are talking about grief. So as we've kind of traversed our way through suffering and depression, one of the the most extreme forms of of suffering in the human condition is is that experience of loss, is that experience of grief. And uh, Steve, there is a reason that I've brought you onto this show today that I've asked for you to to be here. And I'm so glad that you said yes, because Steve, you've had a hard year at Miller for a number of reasons. I mean, obviously you've had a lot of restrictions as everyone else has during COVID, but uh, in December, something happened that kind of rocked the college. And I wonder if maybe you could talk about that and and share a little bit of your experience there. Yeah, thanks, Dave. And thank you for this opportunity to talk about something that is um, still fairly raw, I think, on my heart. And if I think about our 100 students here on campus, our 25 staff, um, uh, it's still, there's probably not a day that goes by where some of our thoughts don't shift back or go back to December. Um, yeah, we began obviously with the code restrictions and all that. Um, we had planned on just a little bit of backstory, David. Um, we had planned uh, uh, to launch a campus out in Winnipeg um, this past year, and we had some of our students that were planning on going out there, but then that got put on hold for a year. And so those students that were supposed to go out there came back to Sunnybrae campus to take their second year. One of those young men was Kyle, um, and Kyle asked if I would mentor him. And so mm-hmm. I got to know Kyle. Um, so this is a second year student. I didn't get to know him super well last year, but this year I did. And every Monday morning at about 6.15, he would show up in my office and uh, we'd drink coffee together and, and talk about life and talk about Jesus and the impact that the things that he's learning on in, in the classroom and in, uh, in community here was shaping him. Uh, Kyle, uh, was kind of a bigger than life guy on campus. And one of the reasons we were excited to send him to Winnipeg was because he would have probably been recognized and seen as, if not the strongest first year leader that we had, certainly right at the top and, uh, proved to be that a servant heart, um, encourager, exhorter. 
And so just uh, whenever Kyle was around, things were going to be okay because of his nature. He was also big in stature, which didn't, uh, didn't hurt and sort of all around athlete, good grades, musical, sort of, you know, one of those guys that you look at, it's like, why, how, how does one person get all of these giftings, right? Mm. Sort of cream of the crop. Um, our school ended, uh, I'm trying to remember the dates. It doesn't really matter. The middle of December on a Friday, they had an exam. And then most of our students left uh, after the exam to go home for their Christmas break. And Kyle and his best friend, Will, who's also a second year, also just an f- outstanding young man. They're from Alberta, southern Alberta, just south of Calgary in, in um, a high river. Uh, they were sticking around on Friday so that they could leave early the next morning to go on their way home. They're going to go to Revelstoke and go skiing for the day. And um, it's Kyle's a snowboarder. And so uh, they got up early that Saturday morning. And um, I was uh, at the Walmart parking lot. Um, I just was we pulled in and I got a call from one of our staff members, Dave Rutten. And um, he said, or he might have even texted me, he said, Kyle's been in an accident and they're flying him to Kelowna. And that's kind of all that I knew at the time. Um, and uh, thus begun a journey for me personally, for us as a staff and for a, a call, uh, us as a college. And then the Nash family uh, that we would have, n- we'd never want to really wish on anybody. It was, it was quite tragic, actually, and much worse than the initial phone call that I got, uh, the text that I got. We got our, our staff praying right away. Um, and, um, it became evident that it was serious when they, when they took him actually from, they helicoptered him off the, off the hill to the Revelstoke hospital. And then they flew him from Revelstoke to Kelowna and right into the ICU. And what, what, what had happened was the first run of the day, they, they were uh, skiing and, um, were trying to get down to the, the bottom of the hill. Uh, Will, I think, wanted to look for a new helmet because the one that he had was not fitting properly, was hurting him or something. And they were going down a little cat trail, a little, um, yeah, just a little road where where vehicles can come up and down. And, um, you know, by God's grace, Will, who was ahead skiing, stopped and turned around just to see his buddy um, Kyle go off a bit of a jump mm-hmm. and land on the path and uh, skid across, fall, skid across the path and then and then um, disappear over a cliff. And, um, yeah, and so Kyle fell into some trees. Um, and some major internal damage. Uh, Will climbed back up the cat trail and down the hill. He, he doesn't even remember how he really got down there, but it was probably 25 feet or so that he'd crawl down. By God's grace, there was a cell service that Will was able to have and trying to prop his buddy up, his best friend. They've been friends since they were little boys in the church there in High River. High River. Um, propping him up, trying to help Kyle breathe and and talking to him. And Kyle was sort of in and out of consciousness a little bit. And about 45 minutes later, the ski patrol were able to find them. Will didn't know how to describe where they were, but they were able to find them. And and that's how it all started. Um, The family flew out, mom and dad flew out that day. And then his brothers joined the the following day to Kelowna. Um, Sarah and myself and Dave... And Winnell Rutten, our um, other staff couple who were very close to Kyle, ended up spending quite a bit of time down in Kelowna. By God's grace, we were able to get into the ICU. Uh, even during the COVID restrictions, it was quite amazing. It's uh, not all of us were, but David and I were because we are pastors and have that role. And so they allowed us into the ICU. And there we, we spent a few days 
while we recognize that Kyle was fading. And so here we have a, a very young man, healthy, love Jesus, um, sacrificially willing to do whatever it takes to spread the gospel. Um, and he's fading. He's, he's dying and the doctors are not given hope. And we prayed for healing, Dave, and we believed that Jesus could heal him. And it's, so, so that wasn't out of the equation. And yet it became clear that this probably wasn't going to be how God's sovereignty was going to lead us in this. And uh, on that, uh, on that um, Tuesday afternoon, he went home to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, talk about a ton of bricks falling on all of our hearts, our minds, attitudes. Some of our s- students even just really struggled with some faith issues at that point. And yeah, so that's a little bit of the story. I don't know if you want to press in on any of that, but um, it was a heavy load, man. Yeah, I think as a former student of a small college, there's still people that, that Sharia and I know and very much love from Miller. In fact, we, we just went to visit uh, in October. So we'd visited you pretty recently. And, you know, it's, I can't imagine the reality of someone, of students that, that we were close with of that happening to them, let alone a student, you know, today. And, um, you know, we have some good friends there and, and, and kind of walked through this, seeing what they were going through. And, uh, and of course, Steve, uh, I'm pretty close with you. So to see you going through that as well, uh, it's just devastating. And I feel so, so sad for the family, so sad for the students. But I think one of the things that stood out to me as someone who was on the peripheral, if you like, someone who was kind of kind of involved in, in a way, like have friendships and connections in a way, but without being directly in it. What I saw was the incredible response to the, gr- the grief that you experienced. And, and that's exactly the reason why uh, I asked your permission for you to, to, to talk about it. Because Steve, the way that you led the, the staff and the students in that was uh, nothing short of, of astounding. And so I, I'm wondering if maybe you could talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, Kyle's death is obviously tragic, how do you how do you lead your staff and students through that? And how do you do it in such a way, like you said, you said some of the students were questioning faith. How do you do it in a way that points to Jesus and, uh, yeah, honors God in, in all that you're saying and doing, uh, despite this tragedy where you might be wrestling with some of these things? Yeah, um, first of all, you know, uh, any sort of credit for... Um, uh, maneuvering or working through this really goes to God and his kindness in those moments. I don't doubt for a moment that when Paul says, you know, when I'm weak, then I'm strong because my God says my strength is made perfect in weakness. Mm -hmm. Therefore I will more, all the more boast in my weakness. Um, So God carried us, all of us, and we had a strong team, but it was, there was, there was a degree of, um, leadership burden that was certainly on on my shoulder and on some of the other staff shoulders as well. I think I think um there's a few thoughts that come to my mind Dave uh, just from a theological standpoint. Number 1, we we never want to minimize grief. We never want to um um pretend that it's not there or try to sweep it out of the way to somehow say well we need to be a happy people only and that sorrow and and, and, you know, our emotions being crushed and tears aren't part of our Christian life. They're very much part of our life. And 
for maybe more so for us as Christians, just because of the some of the things that we are willing to let go of in this life, more so than maybe somebody who might say, like Paul says, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Mm. Paul says that in in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, and if it weren't for the hope that we have in Christ, we would take that same attitude. But he says, because we know that there's hope, that there is a resurrection. And, and when I talk about hope, I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm talking about a surety, uh, an assurance of the promises that will be fulfilled that God has given us. So when we talk about biblical hope, it's different than, you know, your vernacular and my vernacular. Like, I hope I win Lotto 649, or I hope I, I hope the weather's going to be nice here in the shoe swap tomorrow. That's just wishful thinking in, in a lot of ways, right? But this is assur- assurance. This is certainty when we talk about the hope that God's given us through his promises. And so, um, you know, so we don't want to, we don't ever want to minimize the grief and the hurt at the same time, the Bible is exceedingly clear that we, and Paul says this, that we don't grieve like those without hope. Mm. So though we grieve, though our, our spirits are crushed, though there's a heaviness, a burden that we feel, we don't grieve like those without hope because, because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, which we've just celebrated not too long ago um, when we think about Resurrection Sunday and Easter, um, there is this, there is this, this uh, assurance that because Jesus rose, his his children and his followers will also see eternity one day. And so Paul can say with confidence, uh, "For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain." So dying means going to our inheritance. And he also says, "To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord." And so, so in the grief, I think they what we need to do is we need to undergird ourselves with the truths and the realities that God has promised to us, and we we hang on to those with tight fists. I hang on to my grief, not trying to sidestep that, but I'm also at the same time undergirding that with the with the truths of what God has said about our hope that we have in Jesus, because He rose from the dead victorious over death and sin. So, so I think we mingle that all the time. Even with our students, we we had a prayer time before Kyle passed away, prayed for his healing, prayed for, um, you know, uh, our own hearts as we're grieving this, uh, but all's with the assurance that God is in control. So that'd be the second thing that I would say is God's sovereign. God is sovereign, which, and and in his providence, so he, he's, he's providentially allowed this to happen, right? Steve, can, what, what do you mean yeah. there when you talk about his providence? We've talked about sovereignty on this podcast before, so I'd recommend if you've not heard that word to jump back to that episode. But yeah. what do you mean by his providence? That's the words we've not come across. Yeah, so so sovereignty and providence actually go very close hand in hand. But providence is is this idea that that not only sovereignty has this idea that God rules and reigns over everything and has the right over everything. He's the creator of the universe. And so he's got a, a like a sovereign nation has control over its own um, whatever it might be, laws and, and rules of the country. God is sovereign over creation. But providence would take it a little step further to say, no, God actually is, is he is providing things to happen in such a way in order to bring gl- himself glory. So he's actively involved. So he's not like, I think there was a song years ago, From a Distance. Remember that song, From a Distance? Nah, nah, nah. And it Steve, was this, I'm much this, younger than you. 
<laughs> well, look it up. You just just like you told people to look up the word sovereignty, look that song up. You know the song. Anyway, this idea that God is standing from a distance and he's watching us from afar. And so you could chalk up sovereign. He's sovereign over that. But providence is no, he is actually intimately involved in our lives, hmm. in his sovereignty, allowing things to happen, orchestrating things to happen, guiding us. Um, and even sometimes things that we are not thrilled with, like Kyle's passing. This is a providence of God to some degree, right? We know that he'd allowed this to happen. Dave, I used to tell our people when I was pastoring in Winnipeg about God's sovereignty and about his providence. It's kind of like, uh, you know, preparing to go out to the high sea and you have a boat in the in port and um, you need to ensure that your ballast, which is a, just a heavy weight in the bottom of a hull or maybe some water now, the, the more modern ships they'll take on water. It's, it's a weight at the bottom in order to keep the ship upright when a storm comes, right? So there's a, mm. there's a weight at the bottom. And I used to say to our, our people, and I said it to our students here, I said, before you leave the harbor, before you leave port, you need to make sure that your ballast is set strongly in what you know the scripture says about God's sovereignty and his providence. Because when the storm hits, it's going to be really tough to make sure your ballast is strong at that point. Figure some of these things out because you're going to get battered to and fro with all kinds of thoughts. And we had some of our students who just struggled with some faith issues. And, and the reason they pulled through is because they had a strong ballast. And though they had questions, and it's not wrong to question, at the end of the day, they came back to this. And they came back to what God said in his word. And they'd established, I believe that God is sovereign. He's, he, his providence reigns everywhere in my life. And even though we might not understand all the intricacies of why Kyle passed away, we do trust him that he has done something for his glory, for his eternal glory. And we've already seen it happen. We've seen, we've seen a response, Dave, since Kyle passed away, a burning in some of our students' hearts to lay their life down for the advance of the gospel and the kingdom of the gospel or the kingdom of God the advance of the gospel. I actually just this morning was mentoring, uh, my last mentoring session with one of my students. And I said, you know, what are some takeaways for you? And this was not at all intentional with our podcast today. And he said to me, he said, I think the, the biggest thing is I've come to grips a little bit more with the reality of eternity because of mm -hmm. Kyle's passing. And that the things of this world really are growing dim in light of who Jesus is and what yet is awaiting us one day. I mean, our lives are short, right? James says they're, they're here for a moment, like a vapor. And so um, it spurred this on in our students. So God is being glorified even now in our students' lives, in the Nash families' lives. God's doing a work through them in the community there in High River. And God is, God is being glorified and honored even in the response of our students and family and friends of Kyle. Mm. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a bit more. Actually, the the Nash family because I haven't seen much from them, but I've seen stuff that you've shared, and and what I have seen, I've just been blown away by yeah. the the godly, um, just clear response. It's not that they don't grieve, like you say, they of course they grieve, but but there's something profound about knowing where Kyle is going, knowing his destination. Yeah. And maybe yeah. you could speak a little bit about their response as well, because, yeah, I, I think we could perhaps learn from the way they, they responded to, to Kyle's passing. They've been an encouragement to us. And uh, 
we're we're inviting them to to zoom in to our graduation ceremony here in a little bit from now, and um, um, they're going to be doing the um, Kyle Nash Memorial Servanthood Award because mm-hmm. Kyle was a servant, and so they've they've uh, they've zoomed in. They actually came onto campus. We allowed special permission for them to come and get Kyle's things and and meet some of our students after Christmas. So that's been special, um, even in these COVID restriction days that we've had. They've been a great encouragement to us, and they have they have leaned heavily on exactly what I said. They obviously, and I don't know the Nashes that well. I've gotten to know them this past the past three or four months now. Before that, I didn't know them other than conversations that I had with Kyle about his mom and dad and his two brothers and sister-in-laws, very close family. But they obviously had settled in their hearts some of these truths. Um, and it's not that there wasn't, a, uh, like you said, a battering and a, um, but th- there's this assurance that, you know, David, King David says in Psalm 139, that, 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 that God has numbered our days before there even was one, he knew them all. And so God knows your numbers, Dave, and God knows my numbers. And if you're uh, you are watching today, God knows how many days He's given you in this life. And when that last day is pulled out of the puzzle box, as it were, and it's put into place, He's not going to be surprised by that. We might be. We were very surprised that that Kyle's days were done in the middle of December of 2020, and certainly for Danny and Elaine and. And for his brothers and sister-in-laws as well, they they were surprised. But God under, uh, undergirded them with the reality of the hope of eternity and that this life really is like a grain of sand uh, on the vast beaches of the whole world. Our life is like one, our, the span of our life is like one grain of sand compared to eternity that's coming. And so we prepare for that eternity and it's through mm-hmm. Jesus trusting him alone for our salvation and the forgiveness of our sin. Yeah, that's so good, Steve. I think uh should should just mention that we do have the Nash family's permission to to talk about this. It's right. not like yeah. we're just talking about this behind their back. Uh, I think your response as a college and uh, as uh, for the Nash family as a family is just such an inspiration. I wonder if we can maybe take a quick break here and, and after a short break, we'll talk about uh maybe opening this up a little bit. What can we learn from this? Uh, as believers in our own settings, how can we respond to grief? And also how can we respond to others who are perhaps going through grief as well? So we'll see you just after the break. So Steve, that's your story. The question is, how do we apply that to our stories? How do we deal with grief and how do we help those who are, uh, who are grieving? What would you say to that? Yeah, Dave, that's a, a great question. I mean, obviously there are some takeaways here. Um, maybe just approach it first from how do we come alongside people who are grieving, right? Mm. Um, you know, some of us are wired and I certainly am that way. I'm wired to come with answers or solutions or words of encouragement and and sometimes what people need is just your presence they just need you to be there with them to um to sit to cry um uh and and just be close by 
proximity is important. And it doesn't mean that you don't say anything, that you don't pray with them, that you don't say that you're praying with them. But you know, I think about, about Job's friends. We, If you look at the book of Job, his friends after Job had gone through some pretty severe loss in his life, his friends show up and we often criticize them for the things that they didn't do right, but they did some things really well. And, and one of the things they did well is they just sat with him. They were just there with mm-hmm. him. And so that's just a good thing to remember, I think, is, is sometimes when people are grieving, all they need is you there yeah. sitting next to them or sitting across the living room on a chair or whatever it is. So yeah. that'd be one takeaway. Yeah. I just, I kind of just add to that as well. I, I, I love to recommend books as if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know, and one of the books that I found most helpful on this uh, grief journey is uh, what grieving people wish you knew about what really helps. I have to look at the title because it's a very long title by Nancy Guthrie. I would say it's one of the most profound books on grief that I've ever read just because it's so practical. Uh, she's been through a lot in her, her life and, and here are a few quotes. She says, uh, it matters less what you say than that you say something, which is interesting because, you know, yeah. we look, we think of Job and we think of his friends and they, how, when they got it right, they didn't say something when they got it wrong. Yeah. I think yeah. one of the challenges is they tried to diagnose the reasons right. why things happened and they're trying to almost fit into boxes why yeah. all this stuff is happening. That's not so much uh, such a thing. So this is what someone else says. It says, it wasn't so much what people said that hurt, she said. What hurt was when people said nothing at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all too soon I discovered what she meant. The silence that seemed to scream that my daughter's life didn't even merit yeah. a mention. Uh, and I think what she, what she's getting at there is don't, she's not, she's not saying when you say something, give advice. She's just saying, yes. Be there. She talks in her be book about there. how people kind of cross the street or cross to the other side yeah. of church because they yeah. didn't know how to how to approach it. Let's be honest. Grief is really awkward. Uh, it's yeah. it, as, as someone whose friend is going through grief, it's hard because you don't know what to say. You don't want to make yeah. things worse. You don't want to upset them. You know they're going through a tough time. But yeah. he, she's saying exactly what Steve you're saying is just yeah. be there. Yeah. No, Dave, I think that is such good advice. I think we in the West actually do a terrible job of preparing people to die and prepare people for grief. And that's why Mm -hmm. I think what you're doing is so good. I commend you for it, Dave. And if you can even lead your church in this to say, how do we prepare well for these moments? And I I think that because grief is awkward, um, how how do I look at Danny Lane? How do I uh, look at, at Matt and Jordan, his brothers and their wives. How, well, how does that, you know, sometimes it's, it's easier, even personality wise, not to go there at all. Mm. And that's not what they need. They actually need us there and to say, Hey, I'm praying for you guys. And and so, yeah, I think that's, that's such good advice. And, and, and we're not and trying, that, isn't that, sorry, sorry, Steve, to cut you off there, but we're not trying to make the pain go away. You know, we're, no. not, we're not, we're not coming alongside someone to make them feel better because that's, an impossible task to ask someone to suddenly yeah. feel fine about the loss of a loved yeah. one. We're yeah. coming alongside aside someone to say, Hey, we love you. And we're with you. Right. Yeah. 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 I, that's so good. And, and I, I think, I think all you're doing is showing and, and the, the church out of all the people in this world should be the best at this, mm-hmm. you know, coming alongside of people who are, are and we, we have been comforted with a comfort that we now can bring alongside of somebody else. So that, that'd be one way that we come alongside people uh, for, for my own personal takeaway. What like, and so for the listener today, for you, Dave, for me, how do I prepare for those moments 
whether it's my personal grief or me extending care and concern and love and encouragement in the moments of somebody else's grief. I think the first one is, and we'll just circle back to what we said in the first segment already, is make sure you understand that that um, how God's sovereignty and his providence plays out in our life and settle that in your heart. Pastors, if you're listening, press in on this for your people to undergird them with the goodness and the kindness. I heard Danny and Elaine say so often, God is kind, even in this. He's good to us, even in this. How can somebody say that? Well, mm. the reason we say that is because we have hope beyond this world. It's not just 2020 or 2021. It is eternity and the promise of eternity. So, so if, if we can, if we can understand that, um, and, and, and make sure that our, our convictions are biblically based, not emotionally driven. Our emotions, when we're in the middle of grief, are going to be all over the place. And they're not wrong. Mm. It's just that we can't base our, our, um, our primary thinking off of those emotions. They need something to undergird them. And it's going to be the word of God. It's going to be the promises of God that we need to circle around, very intentionally circle around time and again, to come back to those and say, but but this is what God says, and I'm going to believe that over even how I'm feeling right now. Even though I feel like God's abandoned me and he's far away, I'm going to trust that, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the age. I'm going to be there with you, and that's a promise, and the Holy Spirit lives in us, and he's there to comfort us and 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 carry us through even the deepest nights, the, the darkest valleys. He's going to be there for us when the clouds loom and this, the waves start battering us. Uh, he's there with us. And, and so we circle back to those truths. Mm. Yeah, Steve, I think that's a great place to finish there. I mean, it's, it's so good. I think what you've shared with us is so good. You're, the, the story of Miller over the last few months is so inspiring for us as believers to, to see an example of what it looks like to, to grieve in a Christ-like, God-honoring way. So I, I so appreciate you sharing. Uh, I, if you're listening and you want to hear more about, about grief and you want to dig deeper into this, firstly, I'd, just, I'd encourage you, if you're jumping straight into this episode, uh, we've, like I say, we've, we've done two episodes recently talking about suffering and an episode talking about depression. And, and these all uh, joined together. We originally kind of titled this, this series as uh, a series on tough conversations because this is uh, tough to talk about. So feel free to listen to those. If you want to go deeper in terms of, of grieving, again, I'd recommend this book. I have to look at the title again because it's so long. It's What Grieving People Wish You Knew About What Really Helps and What Really Hurts by Nancy Guthrie. Again, it was a game changer of a book. I will link to it in our show notes. Head to simplefaithpodcast.com for show notes uh, where we will have some more um, notes on what we've talked about today if you want to go back and read through some of those. Uh, if you found this helpful and you want to support our podcast, if you're you're more than welcome to go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash simple faith pod, buymeacoffee.com forward slash simple faith pod. Basically, you can use to support us uh, either monthly or buy us a digital cup of coffee, which helps us basically just cover some of the costs of this podcast. Don't feel any pressure to do that. We are going to do our best to try and serve you with uh, helpful, uh, God honoring content as much as we can, regardless of uh the cost that's okay but if you want to help that's great speaking of coffee steve may as well may as well uh plug your reverend coffee quickly because steve makes his own coffee um do you want to tell yeah. us about that sure there it is i don't know if that's that might be a reverse angle but anyway yeah my wife and i just do a little bit of roasting on the side 
uh, provide actually just a bakery here in Salmon Arm with coffee. And then, um, yeah, we roast about 30 pounds a week. I uh, would ha- be happy to send you some. ReverendCoffee.com. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, it, we ended up getting an ad. I'm going to charge you for that ad, but that's okay. You do that. Um, yeah. Thank you so much again for listening. Um, have a wonderful week and we will see you very soon. Bye.